So if you if you had a certain marketing mix and it was working relatively well, you didn't want to move. You didn't want to move and change. And now, as there's more scrutiny and pressure on the performance of that, uh, it's an opportunity to sort of rethink what your what your marketing strategy is. You're listening to Data Unlocked, driving better marketing with better data. We're interviewing marketing leaders to discuss how they're using customer data to bring more deeply personalized experiences to market. I'm thrilled today to have our guest, Beth Ferreira, on our podcast. Beth, uh, I've known for many, many years, uh, and she is a partner at FirstMark Capital. For those of you who have not um, met Beth or have heard of Beth before, she's an investor. Uh, she's an investor in some brands you most likely have heard of, including Glossier, Masterclass, Daily Harvest, and JustWorks. Beth, it's a pleasure to have you on board, and maybe you can sort of you know, tell the listeners a bit about your background. Sure, sure. Well, thanks, Jason, for having me. This is great. So my background, so I um, worked in venture capital early in my career, so in the dot-com boom and bust of the 2000s, the early 2000s, made the transition to the operations side, um, was at Etsy, um, joined early, that's where I met Jason, um, and then went to a company called fab.com. And then made the transition back to the venture side in 2015, where I started and ran WME Ventures with William Morris Endeavor, the talent agency, and then uh, joined FirstMark about five years ago. Got it. So you've certainly seen both the investment side and the operating side. You know, I can tell our listeners, I you know, my last business was actually acquired by Etsy, and it was a a fantastic and crazy experience at the same time. And you know, Beth and I you know, have, got, have sort of recounted many stories from back in the day together. We actually caught up for the first time in about two years post-pandemic over drinks the other day and you know, sort of relived a bit of a blast in the past. But really you know, getting into today's episode and sort of the core topic, uh, you know, on everyone's minds today is, is the stock market, you know, access to capital, you know, access to you know, the operating plan for the second half of this year. And Beth, I think you know, you're really uniquely situated uh, as both a, a former operator uh, and a current you know, venture capitalist. Uh, and really today, the big question that we wanted to, you know, to cover was, Really, you know, this notion of as a former operator, as an investor, as a board member, uh, you know, how are you advising your portfolio to revisit strategies, cut costs, and focus efforts? Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I think you know, the, the market technically isn't in a bear market. I think it dipped below you know, you know, the twenty percent mark for a few hours, and it dipped back up. And now the last couple of weeks have been um, you know a bit uh, a bit on the rebound, but you know, certainly folks are shaken and, and people are sort of rethinking how things work. So. Maybe to, you know, to kick off with this, you know, first question is like, do you think we're in a recession? We are probably in a recession, um, is my guess. You know, all of the macroeconomic uh, economic indicators are going to show that this is probably not a quick turnaround. It's probably a longer than we all would like, and longer meaning probably eighteen to twenty-four months versus a six months turnaround that many people were talking about in January or February. But regardless of that. I mean, for early stage companies, capital is just going to get more expensive. And so, you know, how do you think about that? And how do you think about your financing strategy when that's the case? Um, And there's going to be a lot more scrutiny on things like unit economics and capital efficiency, particularly on the marketing side. And there's going to be a lot less patience for capital intensive businesses. So, um, and not the capital intensive businesses won't get funded, but you know, there'll, there'll be a whole lot more scrutiny on that as well. So 
you know, to, to go back to one of the, the, the earlier points that you were making as you were introducing this is like, you know, what do you do in that situation? Um, you know, the biggest thing is like taking a hard look at your costs. It's like, what can you control? You're playing the game that's on the field and it's a new game. And so, you know, where there might've been a little bit more leeway to spend on headcount, um, you know, and other, you know, sales and other things, there's probably a little less leeway for that. Yep. And, and across your portfolio, man, the big question that everyone's asking, I know Target had, you know, a poor earnings report, you know, a month ago or so, and, you know, that really crashed uh, the market for you know, a few days and was unclear how much of that is driven by actual changes in consumer spending versus, um, you, know, you know, versus supply chain and other operational challenges that, they, that they've had. But when you look across your portfolio, how much of you know, are, are you seeing headwinds around consumer spending and behavior or, or is it mostly just access to capital markets uh, and the broader stock market, you know, as sort of we're all seeing every single day? Yeah, we haven't seen a difference or, or, or a market difference in consumer spend yet. Now, I think we're anticipating that there might be. So, you know, what does that look like if we're heading into a world where people might be thinking twice about their their discretionary spend. Now that's just across our portfolio. That's, you know, a pretty small window into the greater world, but, you know, it's still strong is not the right word. It's been, you know, it's been solid performance in the, in the first half of the year. So we'll see. I mean, you know, we, you have a company that's, you know, launching a sales process. We had the bankers come in and, and talk about, you know, how the performance of the companies that might buy this company, you know, is down 20 to 30%. And so, you know, what does that mean for the pricing of this sale? You know, if it, if we see something that's a lot more, much more dramatic, um, you know, there could be, you know, could be a bigger hiccup in the market. Yep. You know, I was, I was listening to, you know, Salesforce's uh, early earnings report this morning, you know, and Benioff was pretty clear that they're seeing no slowdowns at all, at least from, from their customers, which is, is interesting. You know, yet I did have a, a conversation, you know, a few weeks back with a, a European retailer who does a lot of, who sells a lot of products that are used for gifts, uh, you know, sort of discretionary standing, and, and they are seeing a bit of a pullback uh, with their business. So, um, even historically, Europe, Europe does sort of, you know, is a bit of a leading indicator for us as well. So, It'll be interesting to see what it looks like. You know, you know, my personal take is I think I think we're in some sort of recession. It may it may be a relatively quick turnaround. It may uh, be something that it's already happened. You know, to an extent. Uh, and you know, by the end of, of, of Q2, when we realize that we were in a recession, we're already on the backside of it. But that might be sort of the best case scenario. You know, from at least from what I'm seeing. Let's uh, let's actually dive a bit deeper into you know, when you sort of think about you know, your hat as a board member, you know, and you're sort of having that conversation to your point around unit economics, around high level goal setting, around KPIs. You know, how are you coaching your portfolio? How are you seeing the, the portfolio and your uh, in your investments you know, sort of shift some of their strategies you know, relative to the you know, their highest level company goals? I think the biggest shift is thinking about. The path, and not necessarily profitability, but the path's profitability. And so, in having a very clear understanding of what a dollar in means from an output perspective, and um, and I think many companies have been very focused on the top line growth and less focused on um, unit economics and and profitability. And and obviously, you know, as we we move into a different market. The, the lens in which investors think about these businesses change. So I think that's the biggest, probably the biggest shift. And then thinking about just, you know, how are you structured? Who's doing what? Um, you know, if 
Um, I think it's also a moment to really think about the performance of every individual on your team and also a potential opportunity to level up because, you know, as, as other companies are thinking about this as well and people making shifts post COVID uh, there may be opportunities to even level up on your team and, and rethink what the strategies are for each individual team. A hundred percent. And, and, and certainly, you know, one thing we're seeing, um, you know, across, you know, across our customers is uh, you know, we look at, at, at folks who are trying to revisit their path to profitability, uh, you know, revisiting the unit economics of their business. You know, they're starting to see, uh, at least from a marketing perspective, you know, a bit of a shift from you know, how they're thinking about acquisition across Google and across Facebook and across Instagram and uh, you know, Snapchat uh, and beyond, you know, and really asking, you know, what can we do instead, you know, to think about, you know, the, you know, the lifetime value of our customers to, you know, really think about really increasing the revenue downstream, you know, and, and, and leveraging, you know, spend and opportunity from our existing customer base. Um, you know, what sort of budgets are, are you seeing in some of the, you know, sort of the, you know, the financial overviews from your portfolio relative to how they're spending on acquisition uh, and how they're thinking about doubling down on their, their current base? Yeah. So I think overall, there's been a residence, uh, hesitance to change. So if you if you had a certain marketing mix and it was working relatively well, you didn't want to move. You didn't want to move and change. And now, as there's more scrutiny and pressure on the performance of that, uh, it's an opportunity to sort of rethink what your what your marketing strategy is. And at the highest level, the best companies have a diversified marketing strategy to weather the turn. So whether you were long, you know, so if you were long on Facebook, you wouldn't have this big hiccup if something happens with the algorithm, for instance. So, so this has been a moment to rethink those things. I think there's absolutely. So as we're sitting there thinking about budgets, if there are channels or products that we're using that are working, there's there's plenty of dollars to be pushed into those into those products, it's not a like cut and burn because the sky is falling. This is actually an opportunity to double down on what's working and winning, and maybe rethinking the things that maybe we felt like we should have been spending on, but maybe we we might not need to be spending on. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. You know, and I think part of you know, part of what we're seeing in the market that sort of compounds that is. It's, you know, from a, a public market's perspective, you know, everyone has looked at you know some of the challenges that Facebook slash Meta has gone through over the last couple of quarters as they've navigated you know changes to third-party cookies and you know a, a constantly evolving uh, you know social media landscape, which quite frankly TikTok is is really disrupting. You know, and one thing we're seeing as a result is for our customers who are seeing success you know with their Facebook you know acquisition strategies, you know while in Q1 they were sort of white knuckling it and trying to figure out how to make it work. Uh, you know, as we enter Q2, they're starting to ask, well, you know, maybe this isn't, you know, isn't necessarily uh, a road we want to go down. Um, yeah. You know, and then to your point saying, hey, well, uh, you know, if, if Facebook was profitable in Q4, you know, it was break even or even a bit of a loss in Q1, is now the time to stomach a, a complete loss in Q2 with, you know, potential upside for figuring out or, or do you just cut the cord and move on? Yeah. And, you know, I get that it's really hard. You're, you know, I know companies are really afraid to lose that momentum on the top line, but it's a long-term game. And if we you know, ultimately, if you can get your unit economics to really work and those dollars are much more efficient, in six to 12 months, you're gonna be in a much better place than that, like that small potential dip that you had to take, sort of thinking rethinking some of them, the the channels that you're in. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And and look, I mean, I think. Yeah, you know, a question I like to ask every CMO we have, you know, on the 
uh, on the show. And I know, you know, Beth, your operational experience spans many functions, including marketing. But, you know, if, if, if you were to grow a business with a million bucks in revenue, uh, would you rather that come from, would you rather that your revenue come from, you know, 500 highly engaged customers, uh, you know, or a thousand mildly engaged customers or, you know, 5,000, 10,000, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I think the data, you know, is, is pretty, it's pretty clear that, you know, you, know, you know, if you can have folks who are fully engaged, uh, you know, and, and, and really are brand evangelists, uh, you know, the network effects, uh, you know, and the application effects of that, you know, really just, you know, compound. Yep. 100%. Great. You know, so maybe we can talk about operating models uh, and team structures. Um, yeah, w- one of the things that we see across marketing technology is, you know, oftentimes these platforms and the resources that support them, some, you know, somewhat live in a vacuum. You know, there's sort of been historical tendencies with sort of data systems that drive marketing uh, technology today to you know, exist in a closed loop fashion, just put this JavaScript on your website and you never have to talk to engineering. Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, with some of these cost considerations that are on the table, you know, how, are, how are you coaching your, you know, your portfolio and, and what changes are you seeing relative to you know, how teams are structured, how functions are centralized, uh, et cetera? I think we're seeing a move to more centralization and um, you know, more cross-functional participation across the company. You know, I think when you, when you think about it at the highest level, the best companies are run like the soccer team and not the track team. So this idea that the marketing is siloed, like it needs to permeate the entire organization and the entire organization needs to understand, you know, what that goal is. Because ultimately your consumer facing company, the goal of everyone is to get a consumer in in the door and marketing is the first level of defense to get them in. And then everyone else is sort of keeping them there and making sure that they're taken care of. So that absolutely needs to happen. And I think in some ways, as we're all forced to, to look a little bit more inward, it's it's a great opportunity to rethink the, those relationships across the whole organization, particularly as marketing and product and engineering all connect. Got it. Uh, and that's a great analogy. Uh, I know you're sort of an avid soccer player. Um, you know, I actually played two sports in in, in high school. I'm sure neither of, of which you know, is as, as good as as good as you were, but you know, I did play some soccer and I did run track. Uh, but the track analogy is great because you have the guys who are in pole vault, uh, you know, and they're going to sort of live in a silo relative to the rest of the team. <laughs> For any of our listeners who couldn't put two and two together, it took me about 30 seconds there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, it's a great point. And, and look, you know, we, you know, especially when, when we sort of look at our customers who have a bit of age, you know, across their employee base. Uh, just in terms of how the organization is, is developed, you, you certainly just see redundancies of function and structures. And uh, I think we're going to see, um, you know, you know I, th- I think the trend you're seeing around centralization you know, is also going to align with other sort of strategic shifts that, you know, the, bit, the brands are already trying to push. Uh, yeah. you, know, you look at how uh, you know, companies are, are rallying around centralized data. You know, this is a bit of an organizational phase change as well. You know, if you want, you know, if you believe that you know, having a complete view across the business is going to be a strategic asset for you know for your organization, then the organization needs to orient centrally to the strategic asset. If each one of your uh, you know, functions across finance and marketing and uh, you know, and support has their own IT functions, then they won't be able to leverage the centralized data investments that you're making. Yep. Yeah, and I think another point is that. 
this is a natural transition. So as companies grow, you have to rethink these things every, and some companies it's faster every three or six months. And some companies it's, you know, every year, a year and a half, but this idea around how we're structured and how we use data, something that we just an, a natural thing that as we grow, you're going to have to rethink these processes and, you know, information and structures. Uh, yeah, no, hundred percent. And, uh, you know, obviously, as you know, from your perspective as uh, an investor in a set of tremendously you know, fast-growing businesses, all, all in many of which you need access to capital. And from our perspective, as as a company that supports you know, you know both fast-growing venture brands and established enterprise brands, like we're all hoping that we can get on the other side as fast as possible. But you know, I do think, to your point, this will minimally just induce an exercise that will make everyone stronger on the on the other side of things. Yeah. You know, well. Thanks, Beth, for, for coming on the podcast. Uh, you know, it was really you know, a great conversation, certainly during difficult times. Uh, you know, as I said a moment ago, I think you know, while, while every one of our listeners and the two of us included are, are hoping that we can get out of this, you know, get, you know, get to the other side of this as, as, as fast as possible. You know, as, as with anything that comes up, up in life, it's important to uh, look at the circumstances that ask how we can make, make the best of it. You know, and I think there are uh, you know, certainly some you know, high level benefits uh, that can be had by, you know, it can really just be forced, you know, that come from the changes in the macroeconomic environment, changes in cost requirements that can ultimately lead to a uh, better business, you know, more engaged customer base, higher customer you know, LTVs and better unit economics. You know, but certainly getting there uh, you know, you know, won't involve the same path that we all planned uh, you know, for in December uh, leading into 2022's uh, fiscal year, uh, at least for those who align with the calendar year. Um, yeah, sure. And I, I, you know, I tell a lot of my companies, you know, what's the downside of doing this? There's really not a whole lot. Um, you know, think rethinking, retrenching, um, and you know, rationalizing the whole organization is just going to make you stronger on the other side. So I, I think it's actually a great moment to come out of this at a position of strength. Great. Uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, well, thank you, Beth. And for any of our listeners who want to learn more about FirstMark Capital, uh, you can go to their website, firstmarkcap.com. Uh, you know, and thank you for everyone tuning in to uh, this episode of the Data Unlocked podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Simon Data, please visit us on the web at simondata.com or email us at hello at simondata. You've been listening to the Data Unlocked. You can listen to more episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Simon Data. We help marketers unlock their customer data to deliver a better customer experience at scale.